Hi, I'm Catherine. I'm Teresa. And we are the co-authors of the book, Pass the Baton, Empowering All Music Students. Our goal is to share stories of educators who are passing the baton and empowering their music students. We want to help teachers create music lessons that transform students from passive consumers to vibrant creatives. Okay, well, welcome everyone. Thanks for being here. We are joined by Marissa Gariello. Um, I had the pleasure of seeing a presentation that Marissa did with some colleagues for the NAFME Eastern Division Conference about the Creative String Orchestra. And it was just, it was awesome. And I knew um, after listening to them talk that we needed to, to start having some conversations here for the YouTube channel. So Marissa, thank you so much for being here. Can well, thanks you, for having me. Yeah, of course. Can you maybe introduce yourself? Tell us about your background, your current teaching role, things like that. Yeah, sure. So um, like Teresa said, my name is Marissa Gariello. Um, I'm currently a 6 through 12 orchestra teacher for the Penridge School District, um, which is just north of Philadelphia by about an hour. Um, however, this is actually my last uh, year or a few weeks actually in the classroom. Um, I was accepted uh, to start my PhD at Indiana University out in Bloomington. So um, I'm excited to be making that shift very soon. Um, However, I'm a Penn State graduate, and um, I did my master's degree at the Eastman School of Music. Um, I also, like you mentioned, um, have quite an affiliation with F-flat Books, and that's where we released the Creative String Orchestra. Um, I released some other books with them as well, um, and I'm also a co-host of a podcast for F-flat as well called MusicCast. So that's kind of what I'm up to right now. <laughs> awesome, and congrats about the PhD program. That's really exciting. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited. Um, so you are an advocate for improvisation in orchestra classes. Can you tell us more about that and how uh, have you noticed this affecting and empowering your students? Sure. Um, so I think the, the, that piece of my teaching really came to be um, not, not terribly easily. And I think this is kind of an important thing to mention when I talk about being an advocate for creativity in the orchestra classroom, because I was raised um, to be a performer. Um, so it was all about technique and the performance and just being the best, getting to move up in, you know, chairs in orchestra or, you know, cranking out that perfect solo. Um, and people started chipping away at me in my undergrad, um, talking about things like um, alternative techniques or, um, alternative music styles and it didn't really interest me um, kind of had an attitude that it was subpar um, and then I got out into the classroom and you quickly realize that um, you know if you if you were brought up as a performer or a product-based kind of musician um, as a teacher that's not the majority of your students. It's, it's your high flyers, but the majority of students aren't going to go into performance. And so I started thinking about um, the whole process a little bit more and my philosophy started to change. Um, my first job was down in Texas actually. So um, they're a very product-based state and system with their UIL and their um, competitions and all that kind of stuff. So I quickly realized that the kids could do what I were, what I was asking them to do, but they didn't know why they were doing it. And it was very frustrating to me. Um, you know, they didn't really know anything about the composers. They didn't know anything um, about 
phrasing or, you know, they just, they just did what we told them to do. And um, so I started working with them on that, but that wasn't necessarily seen as good by my colleagues though, either, you know, it was kind of seen as a waste of time. So um, I came back up to Pennsylvania and I went to a conference. I met Sarah Gulish. Um, actually, she was presenting at a conference and I was just blown away. Um, and kind of all of these little pieces from my undergrad and my student teaching, which was with Matt Schaefer, one of the co-authors of the book. And I went, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is really what we should be doing more of. So I went, I need to do this, but I had no idea how. I wasn't raised to do it. No one taught me to do it. Um, some people were telling me to, but I really didn't know how. So I kind of had to put my ego aside and say, listen, I'm going to try this with my kids and I'm going to make some mistakes, but uh, we're going to do it. So that's a lot of background, um, basically to say that I had a huge shift in my philosophy throughout the first few years of my teaching, which was not all students are going to grow up to go into music or performance or whatever. Um, and therefore, I don't think we need to educate them as such. And when you make that shift in your philosophy, you think about the time that you have allotted in your classroom and the expectations of the community you're in. Um, and you say, okay, it takes time to do creative activities, but is it worth it? And in my case, I, I think it is. Um, so that's kind of how I got to where I am. And the effects on the students, I think, has been really phenomenal because, um, again, it takes up a piece, it takes up time in your classroom to do it, but then you take everything that you teach your students and it applies back to their performance. So we're still putting on wonderful concerts that the community enjoys and the students are learning from. And um, But when you work on a composition or you work on creativity, you pull in... Um, you know, you, this is what you did in your composition and this is how you wanted it to sound, you know, let's say for phrasing. And so you put these dynamics in and you, you made these choices. Well, what's this composer doing in the music that you're now playing? Mm -hmm. um, and how, how, you know, you make those connections with the students and then everything kind of just all clicks together and the kids make those associations and it just locks in and I think they appreciate what they're doing more and they enjoy what they're doing more. And they kind of have this bigger world view of their music. Yeah. Can you give us an example of what this might look like in your classroom? Pick a grade level or, a, or an order. Yeah. There's um, I mean, there's so many different things. And one of the things that I love about doing creative activities in my classroom is that I can be creative as the teacher. Oftentimes I'll just, we're going to try this today. So um one of the examples that I really love is something that I have, you know, titled mostly for the book called Musical Pictures. And all it is, is you pick a category with students. And um, so uh, colors. All right. We're all going to pick a different color and you're going to take the next 10 minutes. It can be um, solo work or in pairs or small groups, or whatever. And you're going to pick a color and you're going to come up with a composition, a phrase, two phrases, 10 seconds, 30 seconds that represents that color. So yellow is a really easy one, especially when spring comes around. Um, so, you know, play me a song that sounds bright and sunny and happy. Um, you know, and then you can have the conversations about major and minor, slow versus fast, um, articulation, alternative techniques. Um, the first time I did it, it took basically the whole lesson time, which in my district is about 45 minutes with the younger guys. Um, high school, first time they did a little bit quicker, but now I can use it as 
a warm up. So, you know, kids are taking five, 10 minutes, they're performing it for their, um, their classmates. Um, it builds a really lovely community of support within uh, my classes. Um, and it just kind of gets their creative juices flowing before you do dive into to other work. So, um, yeah, colors are really popular. Um, animals are really popular. Seasons, subjects. We did one with all different school subjects. So that's a really fun one. Um, and that's really just off the cuff. But it can go all the way up to like my high schoolers do um, full-blown compositions. So it really ranges and it's based on the kids you have in front of you and the time you have and the grade, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. What do you yeah. do if a kid says, but I don't know how I can't, or that, you know, there's always a couple that have that. Well, I can't do it or I don't. Yeah. Um, well, I, I may, maybe this is too short of me. I, I basically don't, I mean, don't give them a choice. You know, I tell them they have to at least try, yeah. <laughs> encourage them. But I think the thing that really helps them jump into it is there's no right answer. You know, our kids are so um, determined to find the right answer because testing, right? We prep our kids to be testers nowadays. And um, they, they, but, but how, I don't know anything about composition. I don't know chord structure. I don't, I don't know anything. I don't care about that right now. I want, I want you to express yourself. So I think that's really what empowers them to kind of just show me what they think in this moment and anything they give me is going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. What I love about it is it's, it's personalized, right? Like they get to, to, to have so much expression in it, but also like the, the conversations around their their choices as composers so that for that one kid who's like I'm not a composer I don't know when they start to realize like oh if so-and-so did it and they just said I made it fast because I thought the color was you know then it's like that helps them to see like oh this isn't like this thing I can't do I can do this I just need to switch my mindset that I can't do this this is I you know yeah and I think the other piece of it is that I in general, it doesn't really matter what we're talking about. I'm pretty honest with my students. I don't try to like hide who I am as a human being. And I don't consider myself particularly creative. I don't consider myself a composer. Um, so oftentimes I'll do the activity with the students. And I mean, so many times that what the kids are giving me are, um, you know, is so much better than, than what I came up with too. So if I'm upfront with them about kind of um, my self perceptions, even if it's, um, you know, not always the greatest thing they're like, Oh, well, if she's not a composer and she can do it, then I think I'll be okay too. (laughs) That's so important to model that, you know, and for, for them to see you grow as well. Right. Yeah. I I've learned right alongside my students with this one, because, you know, like I said, it, at the beginning of my career, this was not how I even thought. So it's been a big switch and learning curve. Yeah. And I imagine you see like the kids that you started doing this with in sixth grade, for example, that you now have maybe in high school, you, yeah. it must be such an amazing progression to watch them grow. Like yeah. That. Yeah. It's, um, it's actually really cool. Um, just a quick little side note story. Um, one of my students is going actually to Westchester for performance uh, next year. And he's uh, he's a drummer, but he's always on GarageBand. He's always doing arrangements um, during the COVID shutdown. I would get 
videos like once a week of, you know, Hey, Miss G, I put this together and um, he's a drummer, but he's also a violinist. So he would layer all of these things together. And we actually recently interviewed him for our podcast. And I asked, I said, you're really into this. Like, where did you start? And he said, well, it was here at school, actually. Like when we did the composition project, um, I didn't even realize like note flight was a thing. I didn't realize this was something I could really do. Um, and so now he does all of this stuff all the time, you know, th three or four years later after he first did it. And um, it was, I didn't even realize that's where he started. I thought he had been doing this all the time. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, in my middle schoolers, you start them young they're not so afraid in sixth grade so yeah. by the time they hit high school it's like yeah we do this all the time no big deal so yeah and that's that story I think is exactly why we do this I mean my one of my big goals is I don't want the kids to just see themselves as musicians when they're in my band room I want them to be able to feel like they can make music anywhere at any time in their life and that that's always something that they have so yeah. to, to be able to think like you gave that to that student that's awesome <laughs> I mean, he's, I mean, he's particularly talented, but um, he's, he, I actually think he's going into performance, but I think he has a bright future, like as a producer or as um, some kind of creative person in music, because um, I think that's really what turns him on. And he didn't even realize that until a few years ago. So I'm, I'm excited for him. <laughs> Absolutely. You should be. That's great. So I think we kind of talked about some of the, the unexpected benefits. Was there anything else that you noticed that came out of your students from doing these kind of products and projects? Um, yeah, I think I briefly mentioned it. The classroom culture uh, shift was exciting to see. It was something I had hoped for, but, you know, when you make a kid stand up and I think we talk about it a lot in terms of singing, you know, singing is very personal. It's your instrument comes from your body. Um, you know, they get nervous. It's, it's, you know, you put, you're putting yourself out there. And I was nervous because I knew the same thing was going to come from this. Um, however, I've tried it a few different ways. And the most successful I've found, at least with my current students, is just to have the kids stand up and do their thing. Um, and everyone just is happy and cheers and they're excited kind of no matter what. Um, and it's just built this really great classroom culture. Um, and when we do these activities, it goes, you know, maybe I'll do one once a week or sometimes depending on the time of year, um, you know, it's once a month or whatever, but they'll talk to each other. Hey, you know, you did this thing last time and I don't know how, how you did that. Can you show me? Because I want to put it in what I'm doing now. And it just created the sense of collaboration and support for one another that is really nice to see. Um, and I think the other big one is, especially for something like the warm ups, musical pictures, or where I give the students a choice of any kind. Um, I can often get a gauge on how they're doing that week, that month, that day, based on their choices. So going back to colors, you get to pick the color today, show me a composition they all break out. And as I'm walking around, kind of just hearing what they're doing, so-and-so picked red, they picked black that, you know, mm -hmm. why'd you pick this? What's going on in your life that this is the way you feel today. And sometimes it's just, I like black or I want to do a crazy song, but sometimes it's yeah, my math test didn't go so well last period and I'm not feeling great. Or, um, you know, something happened at home and I'm angry, you know? So, um, that's kind of one of the other unexpected things I got, I got out of some of this as well. 
That's really neat. Yeah. So what advice would you give someone who uh, wants to start to do more improvisation in their ensemble, um, but maybe feels like they were like you at the beginning where you were kind of brought up in a different environment? Yeah, um, I think one of the best pieces of advice that was given to me, um, her name was Patty Begg. I think she's close to retirement, but uh, I think she's still in State College School District, um, was, and it, it sounds rude, but it, she meant it in the most loving way, uh, just get over yourself. You know, I was, she's an elementary general teacher, and I was like this rigid orchestra person trying to student teach in a K-5 classroom. She's like, you just need to go have fun. Like you're a, you're a fun human being. Just show that to the kids. It doesn't have to be perfect every time. And I took that. And at first I was kind of like, wait, what? But I internalized it. And thank God she said that to me because it's a piece of everything I do now. Like I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a goober with everything I do. And, um, it's kind of that same thing with improvisation. Embrace the fact that it's probably not going to be perfect. You're learning alongside the kids. It does take looking at kind of your self-efficacy and, um, you know, you're going to have to be a risk taker in what you're doing with the kids. It's not always going to be perfect, but start somewhere, start anywhere. Um, and if it doesn't work, do your research and try again. Um, it's, you know, I'm not going to, lie and say that because I wrote a book, I still do everything perfectly or that I even follow exactly what I do in the book. It's just, you know, start somewhere and keep going and changing and growing. And hopefully at some point you get to see these cool things come out of it. And chances are you will. It's definitely a process and there will be days when it doesn't go go well. (laughs) Pivot and move on. (laughs) Right. Exactly. That's awesome. Exactly. So speaking of like pivoting, um, let's look at this last school year, which okay. has been very, very different for many of us, which although maybe in the orchestra world, it hasn't had quite as many impacts as band. I, I'm not I'm not really sure. But is there anything that you learned or tried during this really unusual year that you think you're going to keep doing in the future? I know you're moving on to a Ph.D. program, but just thinking about. teaching. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people are reflecting on this year because it gave us to a chance to reflect on what we were doing in our classroom and um, gauging whether or not something was important or as necessary as we claimed it to be. And kind of along those lines, I think the community did the same. So I think people are anxious to go back and see live performances. Don't get me wrong, but um, you know, we did a lot of creating. We did a lot of learning about the behind the scenes of music. Um, And I think Again, that was unknown to so many students that uh, music had this, uh, you know, historical background or um, we talked a lot about music as a language. You know, I don't I think students often forget that we're saying something through our music. It's you know often why why we're doing it or why it was composed. Um, but a lot of what we were doing with these creative activities we continued because they were nice to do online. So um, there was a really cool little thing that I'd love to do on a larger scale where um, we have an orchestra Instagram and the students love it. It's actually kind of hilarious, but while we were shut down, I gave my students uh, a day to take over and a pair of students 
um, took over together one day, but of course we were in quarantine. So they were in separate places and one kid would record something and then the other kid would respond to it on the story. And then the other kid would respond back. And so they were just like making stuff up. But if you watched the whole story, it was a complete song. It was really cool. Um, so we took that and, um, we turned that into a project. Um, we also did a lot of editing garage band work. Um, like for this winter, we released an album instead of, um, some kind of pre-recorded concert. So we talked a lot about editing and creativity in those ways and what, you know, what you can do. Um, we also, I guess, to go with that, we built a recording studio because we're seeing this uptick in creativity in our students. We're seeing it now in the ensemble classrooms, but we're also seeing it in the, sorry, my dog's barking. I don't know if you can hear, but <laughs> um, we're seeing it also in things like piano and guitar class and kids are itching to um, share their work in, in those areas as well. So we built a recording studio and that's, that's going to stay with us for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's just bits and pieces of this year that I think we would love we would love to keep and bring in a little bit more. Um, we, but again, we, we have to have those conversations of time and expectations and um, what, what's best for the students and all that kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. And um, while I hope my colleagues who I'm very close with keep me in the loop <laughs> moving forward, I'd love to see what they decide to do. Um, I probably won't see much of it come to fruition um, in real time anyway. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, there's so many things that you said that I know people will want to look up and, and, you know, so how can we connect with you? Um, give us some places to look. Yeah, sure. So you can always reach me on my personal email, which is mgaryello47 at gmail.com. I'm happy to share that uh, publicly. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, I um, am affiliated with FLAT Books. So FLAT books.com and you can get my contact information there as well. Um, you can also find our Instagram page. Um, the podcast one is at musicast20. Um, and that's the one that I will be continuing um, as I transition because the Penridge one I will not have control over anymore. But if you want to see some of the creative activities those kids are doing, it's the um, at Penridge Orc, O-R-C-H. Um, and there's a lot posted there. Also, uh, a Twitter by the same handle is available. Um, but yeah, those are the main places you can find me. <laughs> and we'll be sure to put links to all of those so people can find, especially awesome. to yeah. your book. And I would love to see some of the things on Instagram. That just sounds really fun. Yeah, yeah thanks. It's doing it's kind of fun to, to share it out and celebrate the kids on, on our social media. So they should have definitely have that opportunity. So good. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you, you know, being here taking the time and, and talking to us about this and for everything that you're doing for your students. So. Oh, of course. It's, it's my pleasure both to be here and work with the kids. <laughs> this is part one of a three-part series on creativity and improvisation in ensembles. Please join us next time for part two with Matt Schaefer. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you subscribe below. And follow us on social media. I'm at Musical Teresa. I'm Singing Finch One. And you can follow the hashtag Pass the Baton Book.